everyone, it's Hannah Nieves of the Thrive Society podcast. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Brenna Wiest, an author and speaker. She's built a worldwide readership through thousands of published articles and tens of millions of views. She's a senior contributor at Forbes, a top contributor at Medium, and writes and consults for national publications. Brianna has traveled internationally as a journalist, written for Fortune 500 companies, and has spoken in cities around the continental United States. She's the author of five books, and her latest, The Mountain Is You, Transforming Self-Sabotage into Self-Mastery, was published in June and is available to purchase. Her dream is to use the power of words to help people awaken to their fullest potential, build emotional intelligence, and fulfill their life purpose. And on today's episode, we are talking all about self-sabotage and transforming it into self-mastery. So let's welcome Brianna Weist. Hey everyone, it's Hannah Nieves here, and I have the privilege of interviewing Brianna Weiss. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Of course, of course. I'm so pumped because um, I had a chance to look at your new book, The Mountain Is You, and I'm so excited to bring this on the podcast and really just talk about all of the big topics that you hit on. And um, you have the new book coming out, um, which is The Mountain Is You, and um, I'd love to kind of dig into some of these bigger topics that you have. And I know you talk a lot about, you know, self-sabotage in your book, um, more specifically on how self-sabotage comes from irrational fear um, and how it comes from the unconscious negative associations. Can you expand on that a little bit? Like, Yeah. So I started writing this book years ago and I actually wrote it in its entirety, like three, maybe four times and deleted it and started over again. And each time it just was not quite right. Um, But I had realized for years that my biggest problem was self-sabotage and that when Mm -hmm. I was doing the work in other areas of my life, this was the really consistent issue that just kept coming up, which was, okay, I see the path forward. Why won't I take the first step? Or I know what I'm supposed to do. Why can't I make myself do it? And it started this, this journey for me of being mentored and coached and, and, and reading and researching, you know, what, what in my brain, what is this brain body disconnect where my brain knows what to do and my, I can't get my body to agree. And what I started piecing together, which was essentially my, 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 I don't know if this is the right word, but thesis of the book, but the point is that, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think self-sabotage is actually something you do when you hate yourself or you have low willpower or, or a lack of motivation. I think it's when you have a fundamental misunderstanding of who you are, what you want, and what you need. And often self-sabotage is actually a, a way we protect ourselves. It's a way we defend ourselves. And it's a way that we stop ourselves from embarking on a path that is what we do not actually want. Um, So self-sabotage is when you have two coexisting needs. One is conscious, one is unconscious. So the conscious one is trying to move you forward. And the unconscious one is trying to keep you where you are because there is some part of the conscious need somewhere deep down in your subconscious you don't want, don't like, or are afraid of. Now that's Mm. where the irrational fear. So some of the time um, it it is irrational. It's irrational. We think that, well, the the conscious need is I want to make more money. And then the irrational fear is people who make money are hated, which is Mm -hmm. universally true. So while yes, there's, there's, there's some legitimacy to that idea overall, it's pretty much an irrational fear. Um, but then there are things that are really rational, which is that I, you know, I see this next phase for my career. It's what everyone says I should be doing. It's where everyone says I should be going. Mm -hmm. And I can't bring myself to go there because that's not what I want. 
It is not what I want deep down. And I can try Mm -hmm. to brainwash myself into it, convince myself into it, willpower my way into it, motivate my way into it. And it's never going to work because it's not my path. Uh, So I I, I think that actually self-sabotage is a way that we express a deep love uh, for ourselves and how we, we will protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe and ensure that we don't do things that we don't actually want. And when we start changing the way that we think about self-sabotage from why do I hate myself so much that I'm holding myself back to what is it about this behavior that is in some way protecting me, shielding me, or helping me? And that's how we actually move through it and move on. Mm. I was just going to ask you, you know, like, how do you overcome self-sabotage while you're going through this? Because I think that's also like a very big thing. Like, you know, society tells us that we need to move in these, this trajectory of our career or the next steps. Like, for example, if you're a writer or XYZ, and it's like, how do you overcome those thoughts to continuously move yourself forward? Is it the inner work? Yeah. Can you share some, some steps on that or any, yeah. any feedback? Of course. So the, the book obviously talks about it in a much greater length than I could like repeat right now. Um, but I think the biggest part of the work really is about doing the self-introspection, the self-reflection and the self-work, because a lot of it is just simply understanding why you're doing what it is you're doing. And then once it clicks, you're like, okay, well now I know what how to behave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. when you don't understand, like, where is this resisting resistance coming from? Where's this jealousy coming from? Where's this mm. anger coming from? Then you don't know what to do with it. So I have a whole chapter in the book that, that, talks about each one of those emotions. So when you get the belief down to an emotion, um, so let's go back to the money one. Conscious belief is I want money. Unconscious is people have money or hate it. Um, The feeling, what is the feeling beneath that? The feeling beneath that is a fear of rejection, um, which if you go a layer deeper is actually self-betrayal. So Mm. now you're into this emotion and now you need to know how do I process this? What do I do with this? So um, it, uh, let me, I'm going to go to the most popular ones, um, jealousy, um, anger, and I was going to say envy is the other one, but it's not Mm -hmm. the other one. It's envy, jealousy, anger. I'll do those two to start. Okay. Like when, when you get to the emotion that you realize is jealousy, jealousy is a beautiful, informative emotion. Um, jealousy is really us witnessing someone allowing for themselves, what we want to allow for ourselves and are not mm. um, the people that we are jealous of are our greatest mentors. And if for a moment we could put aside the, the anger, which is a facade, it's not even real. It's just a projection of actually the suppression that we're experiencing in that moment. If we could put that aside for just a second we could see, oh, this person can show me how to actually create what I want, a happy relationship, a thriving career, whatever it is they have. Because when you think about the people who you're jealous of, let me tell you, there are a lot of people in the world that you could be pretty jealous of. People who have way more than we can even conceive of. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the people that actually trigger us and make us jealous are people who are just like us, but just slightly improved. So Mm -hmm. we have see ourselves in them. They have to be really close to us. It has to seem attainable to us. Um, and then it's kind of a matter of why, why aren't I doing that? Because deep down, I know I could be. Um, so that's jealous. Jealousy is just telling you what you want to pursue. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, anger is another fantastic emotion. Anger is a transformative emotion. Usually when you get to the point of anger, things are about to change because anger is how we really like create like a drum up an energy inside of us to project it at something to create a change in the world. 
Anger means there's a boundary that's been violated that maybe we didn't know that boundary existed, but we need to become really aware of it now. And anger means we are witnessing and, and seeing an injustice of some sort, which means that we need to take action to rebalance it. Um, so all, all of this to say, Beneath each of these emotions is an, is an instruction. There's an instruction for each of them. And most people do not know what the instruction is. Mm-hmm. They just sit with it and it festers and it gets worse and worse and worse. The universe whispers until it screams. Our bodies whisper until they scream. And then we're in the screaming <laughs> phase. of Literally. <laughs> Sometimes, maybe literally. Mm-hmm. And then we're lost. Then we're lost because we have, you know, a, a an analogy that I use in the book, it's like kind of silly, but I really think it works, which is that emotions, it's like, it's like your email inbox. And if you never go through your messages and do what each is telling you to do, you end up like thousands of messages deep, just completely overwhelmed, just completely behind, completely lost. And one by one, you have to start going through these feelings that you never process that are legitimately physiologically stuck in your body that are instructions, instructions telling you, I don't feel safe. I don't feel happy. I don't feel supported here. And the more and more and more you deny that and ignore it, the more lost you're going to be, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like that resentment too. And it's, it's so fascinating how you look at these emotions, which people just are so triggered by, which is also a good segue too, because you mentioned in the book that triggers are the guides to freedom, which I I love that. I know this is like super deep conversation. Um, and I'd love for you to expand. I know you kind of mentioned that with the emotions of anger and, you know, jealousy, but like, um, you know, what are those triggers and how can people expand on them? How can people do the inner work with them? Because I think it's so fascinating that you bring that up because it's something that I've never heard a perspective of currently, you know? Yes. So when you're like, this is like deep, this is like normal to me. And <laughs> my, my husband is always the one who's like, okay, like he's like taught me like, like we have to talk about normal stuff now. Like this is, I know this is normal to you. This is not normal. Okay. Anyway. The triggers of the guides of the freedom. Yeah. Um, that comes from my principle and belief that discomfort is the greatest gift of your life. It absolutely. Ooh, I love that. I love that. When I look back on my life, discomfort is the one thing I feel such intense gratitude for. Mm-hmm. Every time in my life, I've been very uncomfortable. It was because there was something deep inside me saying, you can do more. You deserve more. You are fated for more. Um, and you're capable of more. There is more than yeah. this. And it doesn't necessarily mean you, you you grow and evolve past something. It can it can be as simple as you're having issues in a friendship, right? You're having like a tense friendship with someone. And that intense discomfort is telling you relationships shouldn't be this way. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are, but they don't need to be. You want and you know you deserve like healthy, thriving, happy friendships. This isn't right. This isn't right. And you either need to make this relationship right or move on. So Mm -hmm. that discomfort is something inside you. It's a siren saying, we're not on path. We're not on path. We need to get on path. And so the triggers are the moments when it's kind of like one drop of water is added to the cup and then it all just starts spilling over. So we think the trigger is the problem. It's not. The cup was already filled. The trigger Mm -hmm. just kind of tapped it and then it's exploding. It, this didn't come out of nowhere. Someone didn't just like come out of left field and say something to you that just like opened up this bottle of like this, this existed in you already. 
this is the same thing with the rock bottom. We think that it's like when our lives fall apart and then we're just there. No, no, no. This has been a long time coming. You've been in denial. Mm-hmm. Big problems of our lives, they never just arise overnight. Rare, very rarely, other than, you know, some kind of obviously crazy emergency. Yeah. That, uh, but other than those scenarios, generally speaking, we've been lost for a long time. We have not had emotional navigation processes for a long time. And now we're at this place of one one little you know straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing. Oh, wow. So in our our triggers are showing us actually, you know, what's actually deep down been bothering us for a really long time. And the way that we respond to the trigger is usually to try to like silence the trigger or make mm-hmm. the trigger absolutely no part of our lives. And that actually makes it worse because that is a symptom of the denial. That's us continuing to be like, I'm not going to address this. So when we confront a trigger that day in that hour, the most important thing you can do is take alone time and space to process the feeling. So, mm-hmm. or you can intellectually figure anything else out. You have to just let yourself feel. This might mean you just need to lay in bed and look at the ceiling for a day. That's your mental health day. Mm-hmm. You might need that. You might need an hour to just close the door and just ugly cry, ugly cry in the bathtub. I don't know what you're going to do. Just, just do it. Junk journal. I love to do that too. Get out a piece mm-hmm. of paper and just write down everything that you're thinking and that you're feeling and just get it out there. You, you need to have a way to express your feelings. And if you're not comfortable doing that in front of other people or like at work, <laughs> you need to have, <laughs> of course, <laughs> right. Of course, mm-hmm. safe spaces. Cause you can't just react to your emotions like in the moment because you'll ruin your life, but you need to create safe spaces that are healthy and appropriate for you to go to to express everything that's going on. And once Mm. things start to kind of unwind from your body, you're not literally physically storing emotion. Unfinished emotions are literally physically stored in your body. That's why your body feels so uncomfortable. So once you start actually releasing those, then we can mentally start course correcting is what I call it, which is what are the steps that got me here? And what are the steps that are going to get me out? Basically. I love that. I love, and as you're speaking to, I'm thinking as well, and I've openly talked about this on my podcast specifically because I had childhood trauma and I quite literally, I went to the hospital last summer and exactly what you're saying, like the trauma and those past um, emotions and experience, like literally live within you. Like those emotions live within you. It's so wild. It is. It's uh, part of your brain that processes emotions is next to the motor cortex. So the second you start having a feeling, it starts creating an embodied response. So yeah. in, before before you even know what's going on, your body is reacting and responding. Do you know um, something called the, I believe it's called the red light reflex. It's people who have been traumatized. They hold their hips out and like their neck out in a certain way. And it creates a lot of like discomfort and back issues, but it's because their body literally, it's been so traumatized. It's at the point where you live, your homeostasis is now in that, in that moment of like, poke your head out to see what the danger is. Like you literally start responding. And we have so much language that helps us understand like a weight off my shoulder. She's a pain in my neck. Um, We have so much language or uh, everything in the gut. Oh my God, the gut. Your gut, it's, it's you got a nerve that's going from, it, from your brain to your gut. Your, the, the balance of bacteria in your gut is determining like your mood, your behavior. Like it's crazy. It's absolutely, it's unbelievable how, mm-hmm. deep, how deeply, like we think that our emotions and thoughts are like separate from our physical bodies. They are one. They are one. So anyway, back so to like that. 
I love that. It's so true though, because I'm just like, again, not to get too, too off topic too, but like same thing with me too, going through that journey of the self-reflection and going inside because quite literally trauma is living within your stomach, or at least for me, living within your stomach and going through that to realize like, what are the triggers? I, I love this. I love this. I swear. I feel like we can talk about this for hours. I, I also um, feel that way. I, I'll talk until someone stops me basically. <laughs> I love it. And that is something that too, and I don't know if you felt this too, but especially in entrepreneurship that I feel like also what propels people to be successful too, is when they face those past demons or face that trauma, because whether you believe it or not, like it, I feel like it also impacts like your decision-making, right? Oh yeah. I think that when you're, you are in denial and closed off to what you're actually feeling, um, it's impossible to access the part of your brain that's, that's, that's creative, that can, that can innovate. That's the, um, yeah. that's the amygdala. And I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that I might be <laughs> It's the same part of the brain that controls creativity and rumination. So if you're unwilling to do one, you're not going to be able to do the other. Wow. Um, wow. And you just have to open that up and let that flow and, 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 and create. And also um, it, I think it helps to know everyone is traumatized. Um, so you don't feel like it's just you. Um, mm-hmm. people are traumatized. Like if you were bullied in the third grade, that's trauma. And I, I hear people a lot being like, well, like, I'm not like a veteran. So like, I don't mm-hmm. have the right to feel this way. And I hear what you're saying. I hear you're acknowledging yeah. that other people have been in circumstances that were far more severe than yours. So I think that's healthy to be able to acknowledge that. But then you have to understand that doesn't make your feelings invalid and what's happening in your body and your mind yeah. not real or like lesser than because someone has it worse. Like you, that's still something that you have to heal and that's okay. You can, you can accept that you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is realizing that you aren't alone in this situation and, not, no. and turning it into kind of this self-mastery, which I, you know, heard you mention in the book of turning the self-sabotage into self-mastery. So taking all these triggers and taking all these internal reflections and, you know, the, the deep conversations here, like, what does that look like from transforming self-sabotage to self-mastery in your life? For me, it has been, I am controlled by what's around me and it moved into, I am, I am guided by what's within me. That's mm. the shift. I so being controlled and manipulated by everything from beauty standards to my fear of what other people think, just all of that into being able to tune into my instinct, my perception, what I think is beautiful, what I think is right, and to live in that truth and to to walk my path um, freely because I'm using my subtle guides internally to show me what to do next. We had talked at, I think, the beginning before we started recording about throwing out my makeup and not my hair and all that. And, And that was part of that process of, Um, I have a number of friends who are going through this too. We start asking these questions like, you know, I believe that doing this to my hair makes me look better. Does it? And um, Mm -hmm. my amazing friend, her name is Chrissy. um, And she's Chrissy Stockton. She's an amazing writer. She's one of my mentors and idols. And she, she taught me that women particularly are trained to override their instincts. And I think all people are, but women specifically, which is that when you are a child, you look in the mirror and you're intrigued by yourself and you're naturally creative and um, you can follow your natural um, cues, like your hunger cues. And then as you get older, you start overriding every single one of your instincts. You look in the mirror, you're like, mm, that's pretty interesting. And then someone tells you that's that you look terrible. And so your instinct is overridden and you say, I look awful. 
I look awful. Then you start overriding your creativity, what kind of art you think is good. You start overriding your hunger cues. I'm not hungry. I shouldn't have eaten that. And then it just goes on and on and on until you are so shut down, so on lockdown, and you are literally just living through your imagined, imagined what you imagine to be other people's perceptions of you. You're not actually living your authentic life experience. You're completely disconnected from your instinct. And when we start to do that process of reconnection, which is self-mastery, what people fear is that if they lean into really what they feel and who they are, they'll lose control. They'll lose control. They'll just act on their impulses. But I am here to tell you there has never been a person, and if they exist, I would love to know them, who has leaned into who they are, came to a place of peace, started following their instincts and blew up their lives. It's the opposite. It's when you shut off from yourself that your life goes to, goes to shit. Mm-hmm. Opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, and we yeah. think, and, and, and the way that I also like to say it is you're right. You are losing control because you're losing control of the crutches you were holding on to. If I look this one way, I know because of beauty standards, people will think I'm attractive. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're letting go of that now. You're letting go of that now in favor of something far more profound, which is you seeking what beauty is to you and having that full embodied awe experience. It's just, yeah, it's going from what's imagined to what's like tangible and real. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I have chills right now when I listen to you speak. And it's so true though. As I was actually just having this conversation with one of my friends about just the consumption of things, right? And just living like a minimalistic life. And I'm actually going through the process of eliminating like more than half of my wardrobe speaking. I got rid of so much makeup too. And again, like society, it like tells you, okay, like for you to look beautiful, you have to get these certain clothes or you have to have these certain shoes and things like that. And it's like that shift that no, you don't need to do that. It's all from within. Yeah, I love I, that. I do want to mention, I like, I like, like clothes and makeup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. So- I don't dislike it, but it has to be done in a way for me that's like, I want to do this, not I feel forced to do this because other people will judge me if I don't. See, for me, that's unhealthy. But healthy is I love this and I feel amazing in this. And that's my authentic, true experience of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also went on a minimalist journey about half a decade ago, and it was absolutely the greatest thing I did for my, my finances, my mental health, my emotional health, my relationships. I could not speak highly of it enough. I can't wait. (laughs) I'm in the process now of just shedding everything, getting rid of so much stuff, donating it. I just can't, I want a capsule wardrobe, 20 pieces and I'll be fine. (laughs) My goal is to die with like a box of journals where I took notes on my journey and like the few clothes I was wearing that season and everything else like given away. That's my goal. I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I've had the chills this entire time. So I just, I love getting to speak with someone who just is like so deep in what they say. And it's like, again, like hearing you speak, it is so authentic to you as an individual and what you do and um, who you are. And um, I love kind of segueing into this part of the conversation with the Thrive Society podcast. And, um, you know, I've openly shared about my past trauma, my experiences have gotten to me, gotten to where I have now. Um, and I think like every entrepreneur, writer, whatever you are, has experienced some type of adversity um, to get them to where they are now. And I'm just curious to see, is there anything that you've experienced in your lifetime that was like, you know, a trigger point for you or something that has helped change or move you into the space that you are now? Um, yeah, a lot. And most that I like, you don't talk about just out of like respect of like other people involved in yeah. 
you know, but um, the, I'll talk about for myself, I would say some pretty significant mental health issues from the time I was a child and multiple diagnoses and people pretty mm. much telling me you are fundamentally broken. They didn't use that word, but like pretty yeah. much you'll live with this forever. This is just something that's wrong with you. Um, mm. And what I had, and this was, this was multiple, you know, people and also multiple diagnoses. So it wasn't just one thing. It was a bunch of things. And um, I kind of was just like, all right, I, that makes sense. I, I trust you. And um, what I started to realize over time was that um, there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. I was responding to circumstances and situations in a completely appropriate, healthy way. Mm-hmm. And actually, once I started changing my circumstances, my mental health did a 180. Wow. And I was a product of environment, um, not the opposite way around. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so that that was a big growing point for me. And it's not that what I had experienced before wasn't legitimate. It very much was. I've lived it. I've been in it. I've done it. Um, it's just that there's a way out. There's a way yeah. out. There's a way to heal. And it is frustrating to me that people don't talk about that. They really yeah. don't. And I, I, I try to, and, and you know, what's interesting is people are actually starving for this conversation. Cause as soon as I mention it, they're like, oh my God, tell me more. Yes. I believe, mm-hmm. I know you're telling me the truth. I'm like, I am telling you the truth. Cause I lived it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and heal. You can change your life. Like you can yeah. change your life. Like I, that's the thing. I just want to like get on a building with a loudspeaker. You can heal. You can change your life. You do not need to live like this forever. That's all you yeah. need to I'm like totally, and I also love talking about mental health too, like specifically because I mean, I've suffered from PTSD in my lifetime, like to a crippling point where, you know, hypersensitivity and couldn't get startled and all those types of things. And like, I resonate so much in that. And I've, I've been trying to get more open and talk about it because when you're open about it, people are like, oh, wow, like that resonates with me. Like I went through that, but like no one's talking about it. And that's the problem, you know? It's so true. When I write or post something that's the deepest, most honest thing I could say, I can't tell you how many people are like, it's like you read my mind. And I'm like, well, really it's that I'm reading my own mind and we are all deep down so similar and going through such similar things and having such similar experiences and fears and thoughts. Mm -hmm. And if one person or many people have the courage to be honest about that and open up about that, we're like, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, I'm going to be okay. Oh, there's a way through. There's just... It, part of our education, there's emotional intelligence and in relationships is absolutely no part of our education growing up. <laughs> no one teaches us about it, um, which is crazy because emotional intelligence and relationships, that is literally the foundation of whether or not you're going to have a happy life or not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Money or not, job or not, success or not, at the end of the day, what's going to determine if you lived a really good life was were you in tune with yourself and living your truth? And were you able to have healthy and thriving relationships with the people around you? That's it. That's it. That's the base. We have got to get there. We've got to get that straight. And then I think people also comp- like overcompensate like when they can't get those two things. They're like, okay, well, then I'll get a third Maserati. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. that's going to fit that. I call it um, the God, this isn't my phrase, but the God shape. Yeah. So yeah. if we have a God shaped hole in us, like, uh, other people's love can't fill it. Money can't mm. fill it. Can't fill it. It has to be a connection with the divine. That's the only thing that can fill that hole. So if you have mm. like a a wound from love, um, more money is not going to fill that wound. 
it has to be healed, authentic love that I had that love relationship wound for a long time. And then I met my husband and I was like, it clicked. I was like, oh my God, I was trying to fill the hole with other stuff, but it was actually that deep down, I knew that I was meant for and deeply wanted this kind of relationship, but I just wasn't in like a, you know, a place yet to receive it. And then what was, I was like, oh my gosh, there was nothing wrong with me for feeling off about this. It's that now that I'm on path and pursuing this, everything feels right again. Mm. Wow. I mean, I'm telling you this whole conversation, I have chills the whole time. I'm like, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. Because that's what happens. Like we fill our life with these materialistic things also, which are great to an extent, but does that fuel or fill that void that you have from, you know, previous trauma or whatever it is that those past beliefs. I, I absolutely love this. Oh my gosh. I told you, I feel like I'm going to talk to you all day. This is like my favorite conversation. I'm going to say this too, to add on to that really quick. My husband says real quick and I always, <laughs> I'm like, it's really quickly. And then I've just started saying it now and now I, I can't stop. Okay. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that at, at our core, what, what we all deeply want is to know who we are, which is mm-hmm. a, a completely unique individual who has never walked the earth before with a unique thing to offer. And I think that we, until we are living an expression of who that person is and in harmony with the things and people around us, um, that fulfillment and enlightenment and awakening is just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not, and we can't keep pursuing the wrong things and wondering why we are still so empty. Yeah. Ooh, so deep. I, I love it. It's so true though. It's like, it's connecting with our internal self. I mean, I'm so excited because this book is just going to truly change people's lives. Um, so tell us also a little bit of details and I'll also link below as well in terms of this book that people can get their hands on. How can people purchase it? And when is it coming out for people to purchase it? Um, so it's coming out on June 1st and it will be available worldwide. Um, so I have a new website launching with a page of stockists of stores in the state in the U S that carry my books. Um, and that's for, because people ask a lot and I'm like, well, I don't know. So I, I put it all together. Um, but I would also check, um, like Amazon or anything like that. And if you are international, there's actually two different distributors handling it. So, um, you might have to go to your local bookstore internationally, but I I don't know specifically for each, every single country. Um, so Amazon or look up or check in with your local bookstore, but I'm sure Amazon would be the Amazing. And if you like this conversation, you have to read this book because I mean, it's just incredible. I mean, you are just a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for being here. I'm going to link all of your, your website, your social platforms, the book, everything below. So if people want to check Brana out, thank you so much for doing this. Like you've just been incredible. And like, I like, Oh my God, like I told you, I, we need to do like a part two. <laughs> I would love to. You make me feel so good. <laughs> You're so <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Wow. That interview was incredible. I still have the chills after this interview. Wow. Brianna is incredible, right guys? Um, so if you are interested in learning more about self-sabotage and transforming it into self-mastery and about Brianna's new book, The Mountain Is You, head to the show notes. I'm going to link everything in there for you. Um, she has some incredible events coming up, so go check her out. I hope you enjoy.